chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. So chapter 7, it ended with the stoning of Stephen or Stephen. Right? He proclaimed the gospel of who Jesus Christ was. And people, they stoned him for that. They killed him for that. They dragged him outside the city and they, and they killed him. And then there's this... And then the chapter ends with, with, um, with this one verse. It says... While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And it's verse 60 says, Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In verse 8, uh, chapter 8 begins with, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. So this is, this is the first time we hear about this person called Saul. And we're going to learn more about him next week. But Saul, from this day forward, as we read, he began to persecute the church. Persecution broke out. So in the past, the, the church, it was persecuted to some extent, right? Like uh, the Pharisees, teachers of the law, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they would periodically, they would like argue with, um, with, the, with the apostles. They were, and at the same time, in the past, there was Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to people in the church. And God, he took their life for that. Like Satan was trying to destroy the church through that method. And on this day, Stephen, a true hero of the faith, he was killed. And Saul, he went against the gospel. He went against the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and through him, I believe that Satan was trying to destroy the church. Paul, he went door to door and he began to drag Christians out of their homes and he, to put them in prison. And that's not something that we usually experience in the U.S., maybe in other parts of the world. I mean, anyone here in, in fear that uh, tomorrow or later tonight um, someone's going to come to your home and drag you out and put you in jail? Anyone, anyone in fear of that? No, right? No, other juries have security cameras and everything, so... People can't do that. But, I mean, but yeah, that's not something that we usually experience in America under normal circumstances. Yes, there are acts of hate. Yes. There are acts of violence and, uh, uh, and um, you know, like, like hateful speech. Yes, that it does exist. Yes, religion is, is somewhat monitored, right, in our schools and our workplaces. You know, like they don't, in schools, they don't want you to, you know, be too aggressive, it's not that you can't meet, you know, there are Christian clubs, it's not you can't meet, but, you know, it's a little more monitored. And in the workplace, people expect you to be professional, right? Like, you know, don't bring too much of your religion stuff inside, you know, just, just get your work done, right? You know, in, in America, we have the First Amendment that protects our rights. So, it, it, the First Amendment, it says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Right, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for the redress of grievances. Right, so the U.S. government ultimately has our backs you know, if our rights are violated. But what religious rights do these Christians have in Jerusalem during this time? 
They don't, right? They don't have this assurance that they're going to be protected. And as a result, very real persecution came, and it scattered them. Now, the Greek word for scatter is diaspero. So that's kind of where we get the word diaspora, which, which, which basically means a, a dispersion of people um, from their, where they usually gather, right? From, from, maybe from their homes or something. They, they were dispersed. They were scattered. Everyone except for the apostles, as we'll read. It says, right, on, it says, On that day, great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Right, godly men uh, buried Stephen and more deeply for him, but Paul began to destroy the church, going from house to house, dragging women and men off to put them in prison. And in Ben, a couple weeks ago, Ben from uh, Hawk One, he came and he spoke about this sermon about Simon the Saucer. Right, you guys remember that guy, this guy who was like, uh, who believed and, and, and Jesus Christ, he got baptized. Um, but then he was like, hey, I want this Holy Spirit power uh, that the apostles have. Uh, can I buy that? Can I maybe add that to my bag of magic tricks? And the apostles were like, no, this is not something you can buy. In fact, why would you buy it? The Holy Spirit is a free. It's free. It comes with your salvation. Salvation is a gift. And all who have that, they have the Holy Spirit already. Why would you want to buy that? And you can't buy that with money. And as Philip, he traveled, joy spread. Joy spread. In verse 8, it says that, So there was a great joy in the city. Philip, he went out, he performed miracles, and he, as he was sharing the gospel, joy spread throughout the city, in the regions. And that's something that we're going to continue to see today in this, in this passage as Philip, he continues to go out, just this ordinary guy, you know, he's not an apostle, just an ordinary guy who loves Jesus. He goes out and he shares the gospel. And um, I want us to read this together now, okay? So we're in verse uh, 26 now, okay, 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So this is, this is quite interesting here. This is quite interesting. So this guy, Philip, he's, he's traveling now, right? He's traveling He's already gone through Samaria. Samaria was this place that Jews would never dare go. Samaria was um, this place that you avoid. So Galilee is in the northern part, right? Galilee, and then you get Samaria, and underneath it you get Jerusalem. So people wanted to travel between those, you know, those two regions. Um, Samaria was in between. So just imagine you're, you're driving, okay? You're driving, and you know, for people like us, maybe we want to avoid tolls. We don't want to pay that $5, right? So instead of crossing the bridge and just taking that, that short route, we'll, we'll take the long route. We'll go around the bay just to save $5. No, that's, that's like what these Jews did. They, they didn't want to go to Samaria because Samaria was where these half-bloods lived, these people who were not fully Jewish uh, in their blood. Um, basically, during the exile, you know, Jews who were in the region, they, they mixed marriages you know, with the people living there from all over all parts of the world. And then, you know, they weren't fully Jewish. So these Jewish people, they discriminated against them, and they would never go there. 
I just think, just remember that. Um, yeah, just 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 think, just remember that. And but but Philip, he didn't discriminate. He went there. He went to Samaria. He saw that these were people that God loved, that God created, and people that needed to hear this good news. So I want you guys to think about um, a difficult time, maybe, maybe difficult people that, that you just don't want to really talk with, that, that you don't really want to share the gospel with. Maybe people that you might find yourself just like, I will never associate myself with them. Maybe in your schools, maybe there's groups of people, there's cliques, maybe in your workplace, I don't know. But remember what God did, right, when he looked at us, that God loved us and God sent Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I would, I would ask you to pray that God would continue to do work in your heart, right, to, 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 to pray for those people, to love for those people, and then to approach those people. So Philip, he goes to Samaria right now, and then now he's on the road to Gaza. The Holy Spirit... God is leading him uh, to, uh, uh, to Gaza. So I want you guys to notice here is that God speaks to us. God communicates with us. Or when we're walking with the Lord, we can feel that God is leading us through Scripture, right, through other people. So what is God leading you to do? What is God leading you to do? At this time, he didn't know why. An angel just came from the, from the Lord came to him and said, hey, Go to Gaza. He didn't know why, but he obeyed and he went. And his obedience led to an amazing encounter that we're going to read of now. On the way to Gaza, he met this Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. From this alone, we can learn quite a few things about this person that he met. When we meet someone for the first time, what are some things that you observe about that person? What are some things that you pick up about that person that might help you get to know that person better? So if you want to share the gospel with the person, you need to be observant. Maybe it's their ethnicity. Maybe it's their language, their way to talk. Maybe it's their clothes. Maybe it's their job. Maybe it's the neighborhood that they live in. So, Philip, he was observant. He was already looking. Because how else do we know what this guy was? Luke recorded that Luke maybe talked to Philip. He was like, hey, tell us about this experience. Like, who was this guy? And this is what Philip said. So at this time, Ethiopia was considered the end of the earth for the Romans and the Greeks. To meet with an Ethiopian was, was to meet with someone who was from very far away. And for the Ethiopian, this, this Gaza was somewhere in a foreign land. It was somewhere in a foreign land. It was far away, too. But he wasn't just any Ethiopian. He was a eunuch for a queen. Right, a eunuch was someone who was castrated. Right, so this, this is someone who may have had his testicles you know, crushed. You, you can say, ouch, it's okay. Crushed or you know, somehow removed. And this meant that he wasn't going to have any children. Um, it also meant that he wouldn't be producing as much testosterone as on a level of a normal person. Um, this lower level of testosterone would have uh, hindered his uh, physical uh, appearance as a child. And also, growing up into adults, you know, it would affect his uh, muscle strength, you know, his bone density, his libido. 
But at the same time, um, this would have made him more trustworthy. It would have made him more um, loyal as well. So people in royalty, people in power, like to have these people. And apparently, this one eunuch, he made it to the top. Yeah? He made it to the top. This guy, he's in charge of the treasury of the queen. Right, this guy made it to the top, okay? Not only was he in high uh, power and importance, this guy, he came far out here to worship in Jerusalem. But because he was a eunuch, according to the Old Testament laws, he wasn't allowed to enter the temple because he was, in a, in a sense, blemished. So he wasn't allowed into the temple, but he still went, which is actually quite surprising. All right, this guy, he's kind of dedicated, if we try to think about that. And at first glance, we might even think, like, this guy is a strong believer. Now, this guy, he's out here, man, he's from Ethiopia, but he's out here, he's worshiping God in the temple that he's not even allowed to enter. So think about that. Maybe think about like college students. You know, maybe some of you guys here, you have children who are in college or maybe you're in college right now. Think about like, it's like this. It's like you're going far away to, to a different city to study. And now you don't have mom and dad around who are tell you to go to church. You're in a foreign place. You can sleep and study on Sundays, right? You can sleep in on Sundays, but you decide to go to church. I like, like when you meet those type of people, you, in your mind, I mean, I, in my mind, I feel like, man, wow, that person is, you know, that person is like a Christian, you know. They, they, even though they're far away from home, they can make their own decisions now, um, but man, they are still going to church. So not only was this guy going to Jerusalem to worship God where the temple was, but he was also reading the Bible on his own time. As we'll see, it says here, um, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and in verse 28, and on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Right? Not everyone had a chariot. Chariots were expensive. And also you needed horses to, to pull your chariot. And horses are expensive. But he was reading from the book Isaiah, which meant that he also owned a copy of the book, which did not come cheap. Because we, there were, you didn't have a printing press at that time to just copy the Bible, it had to be handwritten. Like scribes would actually copy, 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 and then they would have to make sure that there was no error or as minimal errors as possible. These were expensive. And this guy had one. Like how many of you guys on the way home today, you're going you're gonna to read the Bible on your way home? Yeah, from church, how many of you guys are going to read the Bible on your way home today? Anyone? If you're driving, there's an audio version of the Bible. Yeah? Probably not, right? We're like, this is enough church Bible stuff today, right? Like, going home, going home just want, want to rest or, or have fun or something, right? But this guy, on the way home, after worshiping Jerusalem, he's reading his Bible. So when we see this, we're like, man, this guy must be like, this guy must be like a, like a real, like, like, strong Christian. This guy's like a super Christian right here. This guy is someone who's a prime example of someone who knows God, who loves God, who obeys God. And obeying the Holy Spirit, Philip, he runs over. 
It says in verse 30, I mean in verse 29, it says, The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Do you understand what you are reading? So Philip, at this point, he still doesn't know why he's there. He's just been told, go to Gaza. Go talk to that man. He still doesn't really know why he's there. He doesn't know what to expect. He might even be a little nervous, maybe. But first, he observes, right? He observes. And second, he listens. He listens. Listening is a really important part in getting to know someone, right? It helps us to have better conversations. So I want you to think about how would you start a conversation with someone? If you were in Philip's shoes, how would you have started this conversation with this Ethiopian eunuch? You don't know this guy, he don't know you. Right, he's in his chariot, you know, and you're nowhere as rich as him or as powerful as him. How would you start a conversation with this guy? Think about people in your life that you need to start conversations with. And he's observing, he's seeing that guy, he's reading, he's, he's listening. Oh, what is he reading about? Because maybe he can't, like, look into his chariot and be like, hey, what you doing over there, you know? So he's listening, oh, this guy is reading from, from um, this book of Isaiah. And he proceeds to ask a question, this question that he's, he's come up with, and it's quite simple. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you know what you're reading? And then the shocker comes. He, the eunuch replies in verse 31, how can I? How can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And at this moment, Philip knew why he was there. There was a man who was reading the Bible, but he didn't understand what he was saying. There was a man worshiping in Jerusalem of a God that he didn't really know. We might have thought this guy was a pious believer. We might have thought this was someone who, was, who knew God, who loved God. But he didn't really know this God. It said in verse 32, the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from the earth. Now this passage comes from the book of Isaiah, right? And it comes from the chapter 53, chapter 53. This is a really famous passage um, that a lot of people uh, know, and like, people like to read it during um, like Good Friday, for example, um, when Jesus was crucified. This eunuch, he was reading a famous passage in the Old Testament that pointed forward to the person of Jesus Christ. When Isaiah wrote this, it was like 700 years before Jesus was even born. 700 years before Jesus even came into, uh, I mean, came into the world as a human, human baby, both God and man. 
Then Philip, beginning with this passage, he shared with him the good news of Jesus Christ. It says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So, I once heard a, a pastor speak, and, and he was saying in, in, uh, during the seminar, he was saying, whenever he meets someone for the first time, he never assumes that that person is a Christian. He never makes that assumption. And I was like, huh, like, oh, that's, that's kind of rude, is it? Is that kind of rude or, huh, like, is that kind of judgmental? But his point was that we shouldn't just assume that someone knows and loves God because he has a pastor. He's met so many people that claim that they are Christians, but they can't even explain the gospel. They can't even explain or talk, say who Jesus is. Maybe this person didn't even know that salvation is a gift. It can't be bought or earned. And because of all these experiences that this pastor had, all these people that he's talked to, he came to the conclusion that you just can't assume that if someone says that they're a Christian, that they're actually a Christian. That's why instead, we need to get to know people. We need to learn about them. We need to learn what they know. Learn more about what they think they, they know. Like, personally, I've also met a lot of people who would say, I'm a Christian. And as I got to know them more, they would say stuff like, yeah, I was always a Christian. I was born a Christian. And when they say that, that, that like, suddenly like, my, my, my sirens go off. Like, it's like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And I know, okay, this person doesn't have a correct understanding of the gospel because no one's born a Christian. Right, the gospel is something that you need to willingly choose to accept. You can't accept that before you're born. You know, and, and you know, based on what people think, like cognitively, as, as an infant, you might not be able to understand the gospel. So this Ethiopian eunuch seemed like someone who knew and loved God, but he didn't really know this God. And Philip it being the right time, right place, obedient to the Holy Spirit, was there to share. And soon after, as they were traveling, it says this in verse 36, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So this eunuch, he had everything. This eunuch basically had everything. If we think about that, he had power, he had wealth, or he had respect, he had influence. And his life was secure. And as long as he, you know, he doesn't go and betray people and, and whatnot, like, you know, 
start you know, embezzling money or whatnot. But this guy basically made it. Just like people desire in the, in the Silicon Valley. You know, people, they don't move to the Silicon Valley to chill. You know, there are better places to go and chill, right? Maybe some like, like the Bahamas or something, you know, or Hawaii. But people come here to make it. Right? People come here to work hard to make it for themselves, to, to, to build a career for themselves, right? to make something, uh, to, to build something. Right? People don't come to the most expensive, one of the most expensive places in the world right? to chill. And this eunuch made it. Yet he, feels, he, yet he still felt like something was missing in his life. So this eunuch, we don't know if this eunuch was a Jew. who a Jew, I mean, a, he was of Jewish descent, but you know, he lived in Ethiopia. We don't know any of that stuff. So perhaps this guy was God-fearer. So maybe this guy, he, um, he believed that there was a God out there, but maybe this God was just one of the many gods out there. Don't know. Perhaps he thought, maybe if I add one more deity to my list, then I'll be more blessed. We don't know. You see, people in this world, they're searching for something. They're searching for something that satisfies. And people, when they search, they end up searching in a lot of wrong places. They search for it in relationships, romantic relationships, maybe friendships. They search for it in sex, in love. They search for it in money. If I have money, I can buy anything. Right? I, I, I've, I've known people that believe that. As long as I have money, I can do whatever I want. They search for it in security. As long as I'm secure, my life is set. No more worries. They search for it in power. As long as I can do what I want to do, get people to obey me, as, I, as long as I feel like I'm in control of my life, then I'm set. It's worth for it in respect. They're looking for that thing that will satisfy them. But we as Christians, we have what they're looking for. We do. We have something that, that is so powerful, so wonderful, a love so wonderful, a promise, security that is, that is a promise that won't be broken. We have a miracle so powerful through the resurrection of Jesus. We have what they're looking for. We have a message of hope that people long to hear. Maybe, maybe, maybe not at that. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe, like, you know, it's going to take time to talk to that person about that. But we ultimately have something that they need. But they just don't know it, so they look in all the wrong places. Maybe you know people like that. Maybe there are people here in this room that is, that's looking for something that will satisfy them, that will bring meaning into their life. Right? In John chapter 4, uh, we learn about the story about the Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus meets her there. She tried to find her worth, her satisfaction in romantic relationships. She had five husbands. 
Right? And the person that she was with wasn't her husband at the time. Right? She was physically thirsty, that's why she was at the well. But she was also thirsty for something else, something greater. But she didn't know it. And when Jesus approached her, he said, I can offer you something better. I can offer you living water where you're never going to thirst again. Something that truly satisfied can be found in the person of Jesus. In verse 13 of, cha- uh, verse four, I mean, of chapter 4 in John, it says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So this Samaritan woman was different economically and socially compared to this eunuch, but they both had desires that this world couldn't satisfy. And only in God did people find their deepest desires fulfilled. Right, to be known and to be loved. Like there is a God that exists who knows who you are. He created you. And he loves you. More than anyone ever could. Last week when the preacher came, he shared about two things, right? He shared about the resurrection, uh, and he said how, is it possible that someone will love you so much that they die for you? And he said, yeah. Like people, that, that exists. You know, like, like people would take a bullet for someone, or, you know, in this time, maybe take an arrow for someone or something like that. But does that person then come back from the dead? No. Right, Jesus showed us that he was God because he came back from the dead, not only because he died, because anyone can die for someone, but he came back from the dead to prove that he really is God. And this is the message of hope that we have as Christians that we can share to other people. Right, at Philip, after he baptized the eunuch, and it was really fast, it, it was the same day. So there wasn't like, you know, an eight-week class or like a three-month class or like, you know, he didn't ask him to, to like necessarily write out a two-minute testimony. But this eunuch, he showed that he understood what the gospel was at least. And he asked Philip, can you baptize me? And Philip, he baptized him. And then the rejoicing eunuch, he didn't just stop there. He didn't just be like, okay, now I have another God in my pocket and I'm good. Right? I have all my riches and wealth, and, and I now have a God in my pocket. No, he didn't treat it that way. He, he saw this message as something greater than his life. And he went rejoicing, and I that he took this message wherever he went, back home, back all the way across, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles, he took that message that he received back home. And Philip... He parted ways, and he took that gospel elsewhere. Right? We read he goes towards Caesarea. So this message, this gospel, it's spreading. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read that his disciples, Jesus' disciples, are going to be his witnesses in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? Right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem has already been there. Judea and Samaria, like Philip already went to Samaria, and then now it's going to the ends of the earth, right? Like I said, Ethiopia was seen as, you know, kind of the, the end, in a sense. So, man, it's going. 
and, it, and now it's here. Right? It's, been in, it's, it's in the U.S. But even though it's you know, in the U.S., but there are still a lot of people who haven't heard. People who still don't know this message, that they need God. But they're searching for something. Right? And you're only going to find that out when you talk with them, right? when you start building a relationship with them. So as we go forward, I want you guys to, to think about this. How can I be more observant about people around me? How can I be more observant? How can I listen? How can I listen better? How can I then formulate questions to ask? Now, that's all part of it. You know, I mean, it takes practice. I'm still learning. Like, there's always new people out there that, that I'm still learning to, 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 to communicate with. But this is all very, very important. And you might feel like, oh, I'm, I can't do this. I can't do this. You're not alone. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. And just like Philip, who was obedient, he didn't know what he, God was getting him into when he first went. He didn't know. But he was obedient, and he went, and the opportunity came. So take those opportunities. Trust in God. God is with you. And really watch God do amazing things through you. Because I believe that it, it does, it can, it is, it will be done through you, through us here. All right, so going forward into this week, right, think about those things. How can I be more observant? How can I listen better? How can I ask, you know, some questions? At the same time, think about who are those people that we can actually start beginning to have those questions, uh, those conversations with. Maybe think about like one or two people in your life. Maybe it's a student. Maybe it's a, maybe it's your, it's a, a coworker. Or maybe it's a family member. Just try to have those conversations, you know? It doesn't have to be very like, Aggressive, yeah, but just try to get to know someone. You know, that's where it starts. No, I'm I'm really really excited. I'm still so excited that we had baptisms last last uh, last Sunday, and I think that we're, we might have some more baptisms coming up in this year, maybe in December or earlier. So I'm really really excited about that. And you know, for those of you who shared your testimony last Sunday, I'm so proud of you because. That testimony is, 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 is powerful. That testimony is your story. And that is something that you can start off with. You know, I, when, I, when I was looking into the crowd, as you guys were sharing, man, people were listening so intently to your story. People were really drawn into your story. People are going to listen. You know, people, people, people will want to hear. So, man, take that. Like, take that story of yours. Take that testimony of yours. Take that gospel that you have and take it out to the world. Yeah, let's do that together. Yeah, amen? All right, okay. Um, I'm just going to uh, close in a word of prayer. We're going to um, have offering and where we'll close it out. Now, dear Heavenly Father, or thank you for giving us this great example of this Philip who is also known as the evangelist. This guy who was obedient, even though he wasn't someone famous or, or, or powerful or, or, or anything like that. But man, he loved you, and he obeyed you, and he had this message that, that he wanted to share with people. Or would you help us to be like this person? Or would you, would you give us uh, more capacity to love others? Even though when we might feel uh, afraid or when we might feel like we, we might be looked at weirdly, 
or where we maybe maybe we feel like we're going to be persecuted, we're going to be outcasted, or or um, all, any any of that, Lord. But ultimately, Lord, these are people that need to that, that that need to know the gospel. So would you please use us? Would you give us boldness and courage? And once again, we thank you for what you've done for us, for your sacrificial love on the cross, and also your powerful resurrection. Right, use these two things, Lord, we hold fast to. Lord, continue to transform us, or bring us closer into the image of Jesus Christ. As, we, as a church, Lord, would you bring us closer together as we learn from each other, as we grow together. Lord, we ask for your, for your guidance and your grace every day. Pray this in the name of Jesus.